welcome to the August edition of the Waterlog Podcast. My name is Dan Janolfi. And I'm Howard Marlowe. As always, thank you very much to the American Shoreline Podcast Network and Coastal News Today for hosting us. It's August, and uh, so far the hurricanes have been pretty much non-existent. Yeah. Um, what do you think is happening? Just well, time? When this happens, they all come at once. It's mm. almost like there's a quota, and they have to be met, right? They're coming later and later, haven't they? Uh, last year, yes. Last, mm. I mean, the, I can remember, I mean, I remember because I surf. <laughs> I surf all these falls, so it's. I remember 2017 was just week after week. I mean, it was one storm after the next. Um, 2019 was pretty good. 2020 was great. And I'm hoping this year is just as good. And I don't want any damages to our beaches. I like the, the hurricanes to stay far enough off the coast that they just send us, you know, send us some good waves. But, you know, for the past few years, I've really noticed after August 20th, and if I want to be specific, sometime between August 20th and August 28th, it's really when the tropics start to spin up. You heard that here first. Mm. So, you know, just check nhc.noaa.gov, uh, and that will just take you right to uh, the National Hurricane Center. Uh, and I can show you all the storms that are out there. Right now, I think there's uh, one that's only a 10% chance off of Cape Verde. So um, we'll just have to keep an eye on that. But they will come. I mean, we know that. there's There will be more storms coming. Definitely. So. On today's episode, um, we're going to be talking about the Controversial Coastal Barrier Resources Act, uh, which has just received a new legal interpretation by the Biden administration. And then we'll be covering provisions on the massive infrastructure proposal. And then a few highlights on other bills as well. Let's get started. So with the Coastal Barrier Resources Act, this was a bill that was passed in 19, uh, I believe it was 1972. Um, And it's it's done a good job of preventing federal investment in risky areas. Now the law specifically has exceptions to the rule, um, specifically subsection A6G. And for those who are not familiar with the the Coastal Barrier Resources Act, it really, it prohibits federal investment uh, in specific coastal areas, um, prohib- uh, there's prohibitions on flood insurance and other, you know. Yeah, federal aid could be anything like flood insurance. could even be putting in a federal highway. Um, all of those things involve federal money, so no federal money is going to be expended in any area which is part of a coastal barrier resource unit, as they call it. So, state money is okay. Yes. State, state money is okay. Money, private money, all whatever. All just fine. Yeah. So I want to point out, you know, I'm not going to read the whole uh, the whole law, but there is a specific exception for, um, where is it here? Non-structural projects for shoreline stabilization that are designed to mimic, enhance, or restore a natural a natural stabilization system. Now, that sounds to me like a specific exception for beach nourishment under certain conditions, of course. What do you think, Howard? Yeah, it does. And in, in fact, it has acted that way uh, for several federal beach nourishment projects, which were authorized after the Coastal Barrier Resource System uh, legislation was put into effect and after the Coastal Barrier Resource System was uh, legislation was updated in the 1980s, significant update during that period. All of these projects that we're talking about uh, were authorized primarily in the 1990s and beyond. And so the, this new interpretation that just came out this year is, is in response to a 2019 uh, interpretation that Secretary Bernhardt, uh, you know, he... 
yeah, he, he issued a new interpretation that overturned, um, which in essence overturned. How a, would you how would you yeah, explain that? It overturned a, a a legal opinion from the Department of Interior, which goes back to nineteen what ninety one something like 96, that. Ninety six, yeah, ninety six, and it said, well, no, you could you could mimic the that natural shoreline stabilization within a cover unit, but you couldn't take sand from a cover unit and put it outside of a cover unit. Even if that cover, the area that you wanted to put it on, is fully developed already and was never part of the coastal barrier resource units. That's what it said. And so then they, um, the Trump administration said, no, that interpretation was wrong. It's not said so. It's not. It's contrary to the purposes of the act, and pointed out that the Fish and Wildlife Service would still have final approval of whether it was good or not for the environment. But having said that, now the Biden administration has overturned the Trump administration's determination on that. Now this is. I don't. I mean, there is a client interest that we have here, but I don't want to talk about that. Actually, no. what I want to talk about is is. Really, there's science lacking in this new interpretation because for many of the areas in, let's say, Louisiana, Mississippi, um, you know, areas of Florida where there are a lot of benthic critters um, that live in these in these you know, cobra zones, fish eat those, and those are important to the fish. But there's also areas, for example, in New Jersey where there really is nothing lives there. It's just sand. It's been studied by by researchers, and it's been studied by you know leading universities, and it's shown that, I mean, literally, it's just sand. There's nothing that lives there, and nothing can live there because it's in it's a it's a dynamic tidal inlet. There's no fish that live there. There's um, it, it's just sand. I mean, I, <laughs> there's there's nothing else there. And so when you're going to use that for beach nourishment, and then it it ends up creating 211 acres of nature preserve for endangered species, it, that's really a good thing. And I think that there are various cases throughout the nation where it's each of these circumstances are different. Exactly. And for the administration to make an interpretation that even though there are exceptions to the law and all of a sudden say these exceptions don't apply anymore, well, those exceptions were created for a good reason. And the Fish and Wildlife Service actually concurred with the Corps on a few projects where they said, okay, yeah, you can take sand from a cobra, cobra unit. And so I think it's just a little too overarching of, of, of an interpretation. And, and I hope that perhaps science will come into play and show that, hey, maybe there are some areas where it's beneficial to the system, where you know other areas, maybe it's not. And, and that's what cobra's for. Well, not only cobra, but the various other environmental uh, laws in place, including those that Fish and Wildlife uh, supervisors implements uh, that have to do with harm to the environment. Now, when you look at this, keeping sand within the system, providing environmental benefits from taking sand out of a inlet, putting it back into the system, it then flushes back, it then goes back out down to the inlet, and then flushes that gets flushed out by the. Uh, removal of it for putting it back on the uh, shoreline. There are a variety of things to look at instead of a knee-jerk uh, reaction that says, oh, no, this has got to be bad because you want to take something, you want to touch a coastal barrier resource unit. It has nothing to do with development. It has nothing to do with the purpose of that act. 
whatsoever. I mean, most of the, most of the, the issues that we're seeing are you can't develop there anyway. I mean, there's nothing there. They talk yes. about how you were discouraging development. These are places, we're talking about middle of an inlet, you know? Yes. You can't build there, literally. No, no way. Um, you, know, the, you know, you can imagine some home on sticks out there, but one that's not going to be allowed by federal or state laws, let alone building codes. So it, it doesn't make sense. And it's not just us who are interested in this. I mean, this this is all sorts of the coastal uh, the coastal organizations that we work with that you hear about that are also on this network on the same American Shoreline podcast network. It's, yeah, it affects a lot of people. And um, again, Coastal Barrier Resource Act is we agree with it. It it's it served its purpose. It's done a great job. Yeah, all the reports show that it has done a very good job of preventing development or certainly any federal encouragement of that development. And so I, I think it's very important for folks to take a look at this as an issue of science and fact, and not just a knee-jerk kind of thing that said, well, what happened in Trump's administration has got to be bad. Right, because it was on, it was on a, you know, a list of, in essence, Biden said, okay, what happened under the Trump administration? Let's, you know, let's review all these things. It was on the hit list uh, on <laughs> January 20th or 21st. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely so, right. Again, you know, if you're interested, go ahead and, and, and look into it. I'm sure you'll find things on the internet. Um, but I think that's an important topic that we wanted to bring up. I think even bigger is the massive infrastructure po- proposal. And the interesting thing about this is uh, we expected maybe some money for the Corps, but $11 billion for the Corps of Engineers? I mean, first of all, just for context, 6 to $7 billion is the annual appropriation that the Corps has gotten. Might be a little higher this year, mm-hmm. but last time we saw this much money was about $18 billion, and, and uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, in yep. 2018. You're right. Um, but that also named specific areas in a supplemental disaster bill. It was a disaster bill, and uh, there's, you know, it, it was three times the Corps' budget at that time. And it's budget. still being spent. Yeah. <laughs> the Corps has the ability to spend money only a certain pace, one required by proper design, implement, you know, review, and then implementation. So you're not going to find spending $18 billion from 2018 finished by now. In fact, you're still going to find some Sandy money from, what was it, 2012 or whatever it was, right. you know, that hasn't been spent yet because it, things just take a, a long time. And in some of the previous disaster bills, like, you know, it names storms like Hurricane Harvey, Irma, Maria, Matthew. This doesn't do that. Instead, what it does is just, you know, you may have heard us over the past few podcasts or in, in our water logs about pots of money, right? Well, these different pots of money are investigations, operation and maintenance, construction. And what this bill has done is, in essence, just filled those pots of money flush for the court to spend really wherever it wants. And, and I'm sure there's some behind the scenes going on, particularly with one of the accounts that we'll get to, um, or why there's such a specific number in there. But yeah, I mean, as we get into it here, for the investigations account, $150 million. $30 million for planning assistance to states program, our absolute favorite. Well, we don't, maybe yeah, not, we don't pick favorites, but it's a great program, right? It's one we talk up a lot. Yeah. Definitely. $45 million for floodplain management services. Very similar to planning assistance to states. $30 million for implementing studies authorized by Word of 20. Absolutely, folks. The issue always with Word is when you authorize new studies, then they have to get funding. And certain people in North Carolina remember that particular difference between authorization 
and funding. We talked Is about that. Right, that. Bill? Yes. Kerry? Yeah. Yeah. We've talked about them before. Uh, they're going to get money anyway. But if you are authorized, whatever kind of project, in Word of 2020, there is this $30 million of money to uh, get studies uh, to implement those projects. Now, if you haven't seen it, we did send out a full uh, a breakdown, which some of which we're reading from here um, on our website. So I don't want to go through. I mean, there's a lot of numbers, so it's it, it would sound very dry. But let's just highlight. I think the biggest number here, which is $2.5 billion for coastal storm risk management, hurricane and storm damage reduction, um, and related activities targeting states which have been impacted by federally declared disasters over the last six years, and $200 million specifically for shore protection projects. Now, I want to I point out one other thing, which is the, the language that is used, which is the core uses specific languages for beach nourishment, and Congress likes to use different different yeah. terms. Actually, you you probably understand this a yeah. little better than I do because there's three separate terms here. There's there's coastal storm risk management, hurricane and storm damage reduction, which are both core terms, correct? Yes. And then Congress likes to use the term shore protection, which can sometimes have unintended consequences, like hard structures. Correct. But it's intended really to mean. Beach nourishment. Beach nourishment. Staff has told us that their intention with uh, t that $200 million for shore protection is for beach nourishment. I hope that they clarify that or put that into some explanatory language accompanying the uh, legislation because we've had uh, some unfortunate expenditure of that money in the past. Um, but this is really significant, as you point out. Um, we've got a lot of... Um, Money also in here for environmental purposes. You said we don't have to go, we don't really have the time to go into all the details, but there's a lot of uh, aquatic system restoration money in this infrastructure bill that is under the core programs. Also, multi purpose programs, aquatic system restoration, which I would look at as ecosystem restoration that possibly also might have flood risk management benefits or flip that. Something with flood risk management benefits that might not make 1.1 on flood risk management, but then you add in the environmental restoration, and whammo, this bill, as I read it, is authorizing that the money that's in here to go into that. Does the word, to you, does the word multi-purpose mean 729 watershed management in, in any way? No. No? Multi-purpose, I think, by the course definition, is going to cross business lines, flood risk management, and ecosystem restoration primarily. Because some of this weighs the new start, oh, yes. uh, which has been an issue before, because what really shouldn't be a new start, the seven, Section 729 Watershed Management, which is really just a holistic watershed management study, is OMB requires a new start designation for that. And yeah. what you could do with the investigations money. And the new starts are limited, which is why this is important. But the, under the investigations money and the uh, infrastructure bill, they waive new start limits. Um, so if somebody were coming up with a 729 watershed management regional approach to dealing with things, my opinion, again, it would be allowed, it would be eligible to receive that money. One quick one here, operation and maintenance, a total of $4 billion. Um, it's mostly just for you know running dams, locks, and other things like that. But here we have $626 million. It's interesting here, which must be obligated within 90 days of enactment 
and shall be used for necessary expenses to dredge federal navigation projects in response to and repair damages to Corps of Engineers federal projects caused by natural disasters. Yeah, this is one place where they got the 90 days obligation. That means you've got to get the contract, go through the contract process, which by itself is at least 60 days, and then get make you know get this thing obligated, get the contract obligated at that point. So it's the only place where that happens, but nevertheless, there must have been a reason. Then we go on to the flood control and coastal emergencies. We've got 250 million dollars there. This one remains available until expended. We've talked to congressional staff. There are no named storms here. There have been storms in the past for which FCC money is that's eligible, and there will be storms in the future, as we talked about at the beginning of this podcast. So $250 million for that, that's 100% federal for repairing damages to Corps of Engineers projects. And for beach nourishment projects to restore to the full project profile. Now, I'm not sure if that means the project profile plus the advanced fill, because all beach nourishment projects are designed to, in essence, have a little bit of sacrificial sand put out in front. If you were to take, you know, if you were to look at a profile of the beach from the side, which is difficult to do because no one's ever actually seen that, right? This is but this is another case. I mean, you raise another good point. This is another case where actually I can recall. I believe it was core headquarters legal, perhaps prompted by our friends at OMB to decide the full profile had no advanced nourishment. So the minute you built that so-called full profile, the next day and some of it washed away, you were already at a, you know, a compromised project. Right, right. So you're on your way to needing an emergency funds. Um, again, I hope the committee makes that clear that full profile is uh, definitely including advanced nourishment. WIFIA program, for those who are interested in WIFIA, $75 million. Let's go on to... Uh, yep. Things other than the core. So that's it for the core. Uh, a bunch of money for NOAA. Actually, I, I didn't total up the uh, the total figure here, but I can tell you it's uh, geez, at least at least two billion. Oh yeah, easily. Yeah. So you know you got four hundred ninety-two million for national oceans and coastal security funds, four hundred ninety-one million for contracts, grants, cooperative agreements, funding for technical assistance for constructing or protecting ecological features that protect coastal communities from flooding and coastal storms. It goes on and on, folks. $207 million for habitat restoration of the Coastal Zone Management Act, $100 million for Great Lakes uh, observation systems. So a lot that's uh, there. And also 56 million. I know a number of you involved with regional ocean partnerships. So 56 million go into those partnerships. Another new program, it, I believe, was in, is this introduced in this infrastructure yes. bill? The Protect program, uh, which is uh, stands for Promoting Resilient Operations for Transformative, Efficient, and Cost-Saving Transportation. So uh, I think I think the the important piece here is evacuation routes. At least that's what stood out to me. Um, yeah, basically, it's to make highways more resilient. Um, and to you know, prioritize those that are connecting to uh, evacuation, evacuation route. yeah. routes. So that, that's very significant, obviously, for coastal communities, where evacuation routes very often are over a bridge or one main road. And whether this is whatever coast you're on, 
when you have a storm, uh, you're going to find that those evacuation routes obviously get totally uh, both flooded with cars, and if they get flooded with floods, then you have really got a problem. There's going to be 25 million available in FY22, but a total of 140 million made available over the next five years. Um, and it looks like they're giving a smaller amount this year to have perhaps uh, learn how to administer this program. And then in the next few years, I think it jumps to 50 and then to 100. So, yes, you're right. Um, so that's it for the infrastructure bill. Is it, we're going to we're going to touch on um, both the the uh, the House Commerce, Justice, and Science, uh, Hans- Trout, House <laughs> Transportation. Um, housing and urban development, uh, and homeland security. But before we get to that, you're probably wondering, how is all this money going to be spent? And there is a provision that, uh, let's see, I believe it's, was it 60 or 90 days? 60 uh, days. 60 days to develop a spending plan. Yeah. And so we've talked, we've talked to headquarters, we've talked to the ASA, and, uh, or not the ASA, but we've talked you know, yeah. to pe- uh, people related to the assistant secretary's office and, and people the, related to headquarters. The sense that we're getting is just overwhelmed. I mean, as they're parsing through this thing, you know, we're, we're right there with them and saying, you know, what do you think? And, you know, they're, they're on top of it, but this is a lot, I think, for anyone. It's the um, mother of all work plans produced in uh, two months. Now, to be fair, I think that it can be interpreted as a preliminary work plan kind of thing. It doesn't have to have all the details, all of the projects, but it does have to say this is what we're doing and how we're planning to do it. But that's going to have to be worked out between uh, headquarters, the administration, via the uh, assistant secretary, uh, and the, the folks on the Hill. Yep. These are good people. I know they'll get it done. So we're looking will. forward to see, how, uh, see know, how it comes out. As we're talking right now, we know they're at work on it. All right. So let's jump to a few highlights from other bills. Uh, more NOAA funding uh, from the House Commerce, Justice, and Science bill. Uh, $6.46 billion, um, which is about a billion above the FY21 enacted level. Uh, and this funding will help address important priorities and climate research, improvements in weather forecasting, understanding sea level rise, uh, supporting offshore wind energy, fisheries management, and science technology um, education, STEM education. These are part of the uh, appropriations process, nothing to do with infrastructure, which we just said is appropriating money, but it's separate and apart. It's the regular appropriations process. Same goes for the THUD bill. Transportation uh, primarily is what we're going to focus on here because, again, uh, here there's some direction in words, which is very important. The uh, House committee, the House has passed these bills uh, last week, as I believe, and it's dealing with actually this week. Uh, The committee continues to urge the Department of Transportation to emphasize resiliency and support for roads that are currently in crisis situations ensuring the most vulnerable roads are being modernized, utilizing best practices, and that planning for future resilient roads take these realities into account. And then they go on. There's also money for uh, coastal tribes in the, in the same appropriations bill. Committee, again, with words, understands that coastal tribe communities are actively working to relocate homes. Think of the Gullah tribe off of the... Uh, South Carolina coast, in the Sea Islands. 
relocate, relocate homes and other critical infrastructure to higher ground to mitigate the impacts of climate change. The committee encourages the Housing and Urban Development Department to prioritize funding and technical assistance for ever, all these needs throughout Indian country. So after that... Uh, On a Homeland Security. Okay. For those uh, who are not aware, FEMA does fall into the Department of Homeland Security and is totally separate from the Corps of Engineers. Um, and this, the reason that's important is for disaster declarations where special rules take effect that allow FEMA to bypass certain federal restrictions when life, property, and safety are at risk, uh, where the Corps may not be allowed to do that. And I think what we want to highlight here is, is that there's uh, earmarks coming out of the PDM, which is the Pre-Disaster Mitigation Grant Program. And we've, uh, we've included those all on our website. I mean, there are, there's at least 50 of, of them. So we're not going to go through those, but, but take a look. And it's, it's, is that, have you seen that before, Howard? No. No, I've never seen the pre-disaster mitigation, even when we had uh, earmarks. I can't remember. Because we were trying to, uh, for some of our clients, we were trying to earmark other grant programs this yes. year. And we were told, no, no, oh, you no, can't no, do no, that. No, no. And so uh, now we're seeing it here. So it's just interesting, you know. As you always say, it's a great country, and yeah, you <laughs> learn something every day. Not all of it is good, but this is. I mean, I mean you know, we're fine with the fact of earmarks uh, being used by members because they have to work with each other in order to get these earmarks. Anything that gets members to work together rather than shouting at each other has got to be a plus. And if, incidentally, all these earmarks are publicly disclosed, you can see them on the committee's website. Go whatever the committee, Appropriations Committee, House or Senate. You can see what they've done. So it's all transparent. If you like something, you can see it there. If you don't like it, you can see it there, too, and you know who to complain to. So I think you can tell, you know, we are very excited about this bill. Um, but, you know, before we get ahead of ourselves... It has not been passed by the Senate. Not yet. So um, there will be a final version. Hopefully it includes all of this, perhaps more. Um, will, this, will this overload the core? Probably. Mm -hmm. um, is it all going to be spent this year? Absolutely not. I just don't, it, it's simply not possible. The core, the core submits, in essence, what's called a capability, which is how much work it can undertake in a, in a fiscal year with a certain appropriation. And... Uh, yeah, this gonna, is going to be outside that. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be just major. But I think uh, on the issue of earmarks, something that I noticed, we're told that there'd be no earmarks in the infrastructure bill. I read an article in a STEAM publication this morning that said that there are a couple at least. For example, the legislation would authorize funding to reconstruct a highway to Alaska. Does this sound familiar to some of you who remember a bridge to nowhere? I'm not saying this highway is going to nowhere. <laughs> I'm just saying it's kind of risky <laughs> to do this. But Senator Lisa Murkowski, uh, who's a key Republican negotiator in the bipartisan infrastructure bill, has got authorization for funding for that particular highway. Not to be outdone. Special funds were set aside for the Appalachian Regional Commission, which is a very valuable Federal Economic Development Commission for Appalachia. Chairwoman is the wife of Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia. So you have things going on here which show I'm actually happy to see it. It's a little bit of business as usual. Uh, it's not monkey business. I mean, this is can, how things get done, right? It is how things get done. I, I mentioned here a Democrat and a Republican. And on that uh, bipartisan group who put this together, you will notice they had Democrats and Republicans, I believe, equally divided, and working to put this together. It's something 
that is less than what President Biden wanted in terms of total dollars, but 119% of what he wanted in terms of bipartisanship. And that's a win for America. So we're thrilled with this bill. I mean, there's just a, a ton of money coming out. Uh, we're going to have to see what happens over the next few weeks. Uh, there's other there's markups on energy and water bills coming. I mean, there's a hell of a lot going on right now. So uh, please tune in in September. Um, we'll be back. If you have any comments, questions, please send them to dan at waterlog.net or howard at waterlog.net. We'd be happy to answer any questions you have. But until next time, have a great summer, get vaccinated, and stay safe. Bye-bye.